Rando Banter, I'm Larry with Duff, of course. Today's guest, Justin Russell. How's it going, my man? Thanks going for doing well. this. well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So also from Massachusetts, living in Florida. Yeah, correct. Um, I grew up in Wakefield, Massachusetts, so not quite Worcester, but um, my family grew up there, and then we moved up to Salem, New Hampshire, and I went to high school there and uh, college at Arizona State. Nice. So I don't know you nearly as well as Duff does. Right. But out of what you just said, I have absolutely no idea how you guys would know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Funny story. I actually met his brother, Aaron, first. Um, At 27 years old, I just decided I wanted to join the military. I wanted to be a pilot for Blackhawks. And you didn't need um, any pilot backgrounding. It was something called street deceit. And basically, they would would put you uh, through training from having no experience to flying Blackhawks in military missions. So it was pretty cool. And as I was at the recruiter office one day, I met Aaron, and we were going to MEPS to do our physicals, and uh, we kind of just hit it off and spoke every single day since then. And So you guys met in Florida? We met in Florida, yep. Okay. Okay. It's just like your wife. You guys met in Florida, but you're from, I mean, you guys were even more. Next town over, yep. Yeah, you guys were Worcester and Shrewsbury, which next town over. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because my brother had the same story he went to usf and he actually met his wife at usf and she's from new england too so just a small way yeah yeah how does it work out like that all the time um so trying to get away from those types of women and and there you go (laughs) you meet them again down here you can't they don't let you go away i was gonna say got stuck with one actually i guess i just said that but (laughs) you got lucky (laughs) she's awesome she's a good girl absolutely um so you, you were joining the military, and you met Aaron through that. Why? So at 27? Yeah, 27. So I was 27. Aaron was 31, I believe. Yeah, yeah. he just turned 31. And it's funny because I was engaged, and he just got engaged. Um, and we both kind of talked to our fiancés at the time about joining the military at an older age, you know, with already having careers established. And um, I met him. He didn't want to go the officer route. Uh, I did. I wanted to be a warrant officer. And when we were at MEPS, I was just like, I heard him. We were on the van ride to MEPS because when you go to MEPS to do your physical, you can't have any distractions. Now, what is MEPS? MEPS is the military entry, um, like, physical requirement. And it's nothing, like, extraneous, like, physical training. It's more of, is he healthy? Does he have any health history and things like that? Like, if, if he does, we want to know now so we don't waste the money on basic training and then have something <laughs> pop up, basically. Yeah. Um, so you have to take a van there. You're almost, and they put you up in a hotel. You can't really, like, leave your hall of the thing because they don't want you, they also do, like, drug tests, diabetes testing through urine, so they don't want you to get any, um, like, fake urine or anything like that. But we were in the van ride. I literally just met him. I was like, okay, like, insecure that I was going to be the oldest one there, right? Most of these other kids were 18 years old. And I saw Aaron, and I was like, oh, how old are you? And I was, exp- you know, Aaron, he, you know, looks young, he looks, looks young. young. And um, so I said, how old are you? And he's like, I'm 31. And I was expecting him to say, like, 24. So I instantly felt better that he was the old guy. Yes. I knew that if there was any old guy jokes, I could pawn them off on him, and they wouldn't be as hard on me. Well, what was the first joke you threw at him? Well, we, I didn't throw a joke at him at that time, but when we were in the van, again, I just met Aaron before we get in the van. Everyone's pretty quiet at this point because, you know, you're like, oh, military, you got to act professional, you know. And um, we're in the van, and he goes, the MEPS driver goes like this. He goes, hey, what's your phone number to Aaron? He said something like that. 
And, uh, or what time do we have to be there? And Aaron was like, oh, I heard it was like four o'clock. And I was like, what did you just say? And he's like, yeah, like four o'clock. And I'm like, where are you from? And he goes, I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts. And I was like, oh, I'm from Wakefield, Massachusetts. And we just hit it off at that moment. I mean, we just had so many jokes. I can't remember them at this time, but I think everyone in the van was pretty sick of us at the end of that, <laughs> talking about the Brady and the Patriots and all the sports. And then he told me he was a Yankee fan from Boston and he told me the lineage of yeah. why that was because you know the Italians and stuff and then I told him I was Italian and we had all sorts of correlations he talked about Duff I talked about my older brother who went to USF and that's kind of like essentially how we both led down to Florida and we kind of just kept going tic-tac-toe you know right. and I would say we went through that process it was like an hour long um and we go and he's like looks at me he goes I think they assigned roommates. He's like, but I think we can swindle our way. I go, leave it to me. I'll go, I'll, we'll get in the same room. <laughs> I got dibs on top, bunk. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, more room for activities type thing. And um, yeah, we ended up, I talked to the people. I was like, hey, you know, like we kind of know each other. I was like, is there any way we can just room together? We want to kind of like, you know, talk about some stuff. And they were like, yeah. So next thing I know, he's calling his buddy that he knows from the military. And uh, we were like, what can we do to like, make sure we go to basic and everything together. And they were like, oh, there's this buddy program. So he's like, yeah, but you want to be a helicopter pilot? He's like, I don't. And I was like, screw it. I'll change my MOS, <laughs> you know? <laughs> just to make it I'll easier. rearrange my life for this yeah. guy I just met. <laughs> Seriously, but that is what happened, you know? Yeah. Um, it was just a weird coincidence. And there's ton to that story, and I won't bore you guys with that. But, uh, yeah, just really best friend brothers from the get-go. And like I said, we spoke every single day i used to laugh that every single day on to work where were we going to see each other at work mm. we used to call each other on the way to work i mean it was just that bad you know um and that's you know how i met duff and then he had what his 32nd birthday or 31st birthday before we went to basic and i remember we went to a cracker barrel correct yep. and it was me you and that's when i met tony that's when i met joanna that's when i went may and i think lincoln was there did he get, was he getting married? Did he get married that day? No, he, I don't know. Because I think we celebrated at, ta at a Taco Bell, at Cracker <laughs> Barrel. <laughs> you might have. It's right next to Taco Bell, but. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you might have. Um, I know he got married around that time because then we met again at his wedding party. And yeah. his slash going away party for which basic turned training. into your going away party too. It was, it was crazy how our families just kind of were like because yeah you had a you had a pretty good size uh, turnout there too right um, yeah yeah I did have some family there as well yeah that's what I'm saying it was just like you know when you meet those people in your life and it's just like not meant to be but it just meshes really yeah. well it was weird. it was like it's almost like you're a family for years it's absorbed right. quickly like, right. yeah I'm just telling you this story now like I didn't realize it was that new. I thought you guys had known each other for 10 years before all that. No. I had absolutely no idea it was that quick. Yeah. Which and is crazy. At this, again, we had pillow talk that night, the first night we met. But <laughs> <laughs> you learned we a lot about I each do want to remind everyone who's listening, we both were engaged to females. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> no, so he said to me, like, we're going to bed. And he goes, I just met you today. And I was like, yeah, he goes, it feels like it's been like 10 years. I'm like, I know, man. And I think it's something to do with people from New England or from Massachusetts, especially being in Florida. Like, yeah. I know Florida is kind of diverse from like people around the United States and there's no true Floridians, really. Mm. But, there's a lot of flow grown, but yeah. <laughs> right. But um, 
Yeah, I think I know you what you mean. Though, yeah, from yeah, New yeah, England, a lot, a lot of like, transplants. Yeah, right. Yeah, when you meet someone from New England and it's a bunch of people who aren't from New England, you kind of just have this mutual bond, you know. Yeah, there's a certain type of personality. There's a certain type of style of talking that people can handle or they can't handle, and yeah. you know, certain type of humor, certain type of exactly. You, know, you just you grow up the same way, the same right. type of people, the same attitude about everything. So. Yeah, and I mean that was just Aaron, right? Like. I instantly introduced him to my family and he instantly introduced me to your family and he used to talk about you and all the friends back in Worcester. So, I mean, it just like became this like one big thing to where we all met and it was like, I feel like I knew him yeah, too, we've you known know? Each other. Yeah. And it's funny because Aaron went to USF for a year, right? A year and a half, yeah. Right, a year and a half. <laughs> and my sister-in-law and my brother went to USF, and they're the same age. They both graduated high school in 2003. I think I told you this story, but um, I don't know if you know this story, mm -hmm. but this is when like, I just knew that this was Aaron's humor. Like, He came over to my brother's for a pool party, and um, they're talking, and my sister-in-law looks at him. He goes, you know what? You do look familiar. And he looks at my brother, Steve, just like a deer in headlights. He goes, I don't know what she's talking about, and she doesn't look familiar to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, yeah, right. And Steve goes, yeah, I know how she was in college, basically. Yeah. And, that, you know, just joking around. And um, But that's when everyone in the family's like, okay, we can all joke, you know, and Aaron, you know, joked a lot. And my brother is someone that it's it's a little bit more difficult to get along with, but he got along with Aaron smoothly, and that's just a testament to who Aaron was. But, yeah, Aaron makes yeah. that easier. You know, he, he'll bring in anyone he's so welcoming and you know he'll, he'll bust balls with anyone too oh yeah 100 percent. yeah <laughs> great dude great yeah, dude. the best mm -hmm. but yeah that was the start of my military journey and that's why i didn't become a helicopter pilot i looked at him in the room that day and i think he wanted to go in for um technology like not cybersecurity, but almost like um something in the it world like uh not forensics but kind of like was it drones Maybe, yeah, it was like something to do with the security of drones. He wanted to do more of a desk job, and really the only reason he wanted to do that, and he really didn't want to do it. He's like, I'm trying to get out of a desk job. He's like, but they're offering a $70,000 bonus, you know. And I looked at him, and I said, do you want to do it for the bonus, or do you want to do it because this is something you want to do to get out of the office? And he's like, yeah, I want to do it to get out of the office. I said, look, I'll go enlisted. And we had to choose the same MOS to do a buddy program. Mm -hmm. I said, I'll go enlisted if we can go in as medics. I said, I want to be medical. I think there's great opportunity there. We knew a lick about medical. Nothing. Sure. You know, I knew blood was red. That was it. <laughs> that was the last field I thought Aaron was ever going to go into. Correct. Like, <laughs> you know, correct. But he went home and he talked to his, his then wife at the time and she was a nurse. So, um, she, he kind of like heard about that and all the opportunity. And I think we both had an idea of maybe being firefighters when we got out sure. and, uh, being a medic was obviously a big requirement to be in a firefighter. Right. So we both agreed to that. We got a buddy program. Uh, we went off to basic training together. Yeah, keep going. And then we went to um, our medic training, and that was it. And I fell in love with medicine. Uh, we both went to Fort Bragg together to the 44th <laughs> Med Brigade, and then we kind of went our separate ways. They saw how mature he was, basically, yeah. so they pulled him into a, a desk job, <laughs> essentially. And then... Um, I got pulled over and I got selected for something called the forward surgical team. And that's what I did for four years in the military until I went into the army reserves and I became a um, flight paramedic. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. So, I mean, you've had to have been, I don't know how much of this you guys are allowed to talk about, but you've been all over the multiple places around the world. Yeah. I've been to 
man, in the Middle East, you know, and this isn't, you know, all combat related, but, you know, combat related, I've been to Iraq and Syria. Obviously, you go to Kuwait to start it off, but um, I also went to, not Jordan, uh, Qatar or Qatar, however people pronounce it. Um, again, not combat related. I just had like a do something with computers and get them re-updated. It was just like a small little mission, a one-man mission. Um, and we just use the mi- word mission as task sometimes. It's not like this uh, big deal big or anything production. like that. Right, exactly. Um, so I did that. And then, you know, my journeys brought me to Honduras to do medicine. And they brought me to Miami to do medicine. And I was very fortunate because I just I fell in love with medicine. And, you know, that has to correlate also to Aaron as well. Um, and traveling too. It sounds like you go everywhere. So, and I love to travel and I, again, I want to be a pilot, right? So flying is a big part of what I love to do. So when I got out and I had this flight background, I just searched, I wanted to go back to Florida. I knew I wasn't going to do 20 years. It was never really the plan. I don't think. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just searched flight paramedics in Tampa Bay and I found this company was like fixed wing and you know you did it all around the Caribbean and all around the United States and uh, I did that and then I found this other company who does it all around the world and that's where I am right now and it's funny because I can talk to doctors or I can talk to PAs or Hmm. nurses and none of them even know this position existed just like I didn't (laughs) and sometimes we'll drop a patient off and they'll say hey where'd you get this patient and I'll say uh Portugal and they'll laugh and they'll say, ha ha, no, seriously, where did you bring this patient from? And I'll say Portugal. And um, they almost don't believe you. They're like, you did this from Portugal. And they're like, what, on the back of a helicopter? I'm like, no, back, a helicopter can't go from Portugal to Miami, Florida. <laughs> um, so we fly on a jet. And it's like a, the best way I describe it to people is just because it is so different. We take patients from point A to point B who anywhere from broken bone to can't fly commercially to um, – the most of critical patients, you know, vegetables on the vent, sedated, uh, have to get somewhere. Or we take cancer patients to go get special treatment, right? Like sure. uh, we've taken patients from Ma- Ma- uh, Hawaii, Maui, because she had a very rare disease. And the only place that could treat her in the country was San Francisco. And um, her insurance paid for her to go back and forth with appointments. And that was basically her commute to a hospital. Yeah. Um, so we take them from point A to point B for anything that they need or to get home. And um, that's essentially what it is. It's like a flying ICU is what I say. It's a crazy gig to have, huh? Yeah. Just go around the world. So they just, they'll send you, okay, it's Hawaii today. You get up, you fly, you go to Portugal. You yeah, exactly. You go to South America. You yep. got to go to... Yeah, Damn. exactly. Jeez. Yeah, and it's a confusing schedule. Um, yeah, how, how does a schedule like that break down? Yeah. What the so <laughs> that's, a, that, that's like the <laughs> toughest thing because I'm divorced now, but so trying to date with that, you know, everyone's like, I'm like, oh, guys, I... I know we had a date plan, but uh, you have so many outs. Yeah, <laughs> is it like an on-call thing? Or? Yeah, so it's actually um, three hundred and sixty-five days out of the year you're on call. Oh, but they give you sixty paid days off, and that breaks down to fifteen a quarter, and you can take them whenever you want. Um, so it's super, super great company, um, and so I have anywhere from two hours to get to the airport and get on the plane. Mm-hmm. I get a two. That's my minimum call out is two hours. They cannot call me past 6 p.m. So we can have, you know, a drink or something like that to be able to live a normal life. And then they'll start again at 6 a.m. the next morning. But like if I go on a trip and I know 
you kind of know when you're going to fly because it's usually about a 24-hour notice that they say, hey, you're flying tomorrow. You're going here. Here's the patient, right? Yeah. And you go and you take that mission. And then when you're on that mission, you'll get told, hey, there's a backhaul back to um, So if you're in Portugal and you took a patient to Germany, they'll say, hey, either stay in Germany. We have a patient that's going from Germany to the States or reposition to England and we're going to have you take a patient to Boston. And then you'll take that patient to Boston. And then they'll be like, hey, we have another patient that's going back to Europe in Jersey. So just reposition to Jersey. So when you're out, you don't know when you're going to come home. Mm. But the best part is like if you work seven straight days, I mean, you know you're at the end of the rotation coming up. Yeah. So you have a few days off. But, you know, flying is the funnest part. Um, but like I said, in June, I worked two days, you know. So you have your slow months, but you get paid, you know, the whole time. You get paid to be on call and everything like that. Why so you're not people, stressing. Why would people be moving from Germany to the U.S.? Like, Great question. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, so let's say Duff, and I don't want to put this juju on Duff, but let's say Duff goes to vacation in Germany, and Duff has a stroke. And Duff's been there poor now. Duff. Yeah, poor Duff. But Duff's been there now. Oktoberfest is pretty rough over there. So. Well, <laughs> no, but seriously, that's exactly stuff that it is. Okay. Duff has a stroke. A lot of our patients are strokes. Duff has a stroke. He can no longer fly home on the flight that he was going to take commercially. Um, he has left-sided weakness. Um, he just he can't do it anymore, right? So he needs to be on a stretcher. He needs to be on some oxygen. Or maybe he needs to be intubated, right? It's just a variety of things. And you're not going to live out in Germany, no, you know? No, So you have to get home back to the States. Okay. Or you're in Jamaica, and they don't have the treatment okay. to treat a stroke. So this is usually U.S. citizens that you're basically recovering. Yeah, but I've also taken people from Jamaica to England that were English. Okay. Um, really, I think there's... Other companies that do it around the world, the biggest other country, which is really a continent that I know that does it because they do it like continent wide is Africa and it's called Doctors That Fly or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we'll meet them. They'll take patients out of Africa and then we'll meet them in Europe and then we take them the rest of the way because it's actually a government thing. It's government funded in Africa. Okay. So that, that leads me to my next question. <laughs> this sounds very expensive. How much if you're an American citizen? I'm so happy you asked that question because I want to get this insurance covered. I want this PSA to be out there. <laughs> the flight insurance that we all deny because we think it's just for canceled flights will cover up to $500,000 of medical expenses. Oh, really? Generally, yeah. Or there is a company that we get a lot of flights from that you pay $500 a year for you and your whole family. That's it. One $500 payment. And they will pay as much money as it takes to get you back home. So if you travel over 150 miles so if you travel to tallahassee and you get hurt in tallahassee they will find a way to get you back to tampa and it's just a one-time payment so you of buy five hundred dollars you buy this policy through your insurance or through through this company? this company it's it's a company that does this and they go through lloyd's of london which right. is an like a high risk so you knew company. of this no, i know lloyd's of london That's lloyd's it. of london oh, will okay. insure anything like if you're in a flood zone and no other company will take you lloyd's of london will do this high risk assessment you'll pay for it but they will take you they're a high risk i've never heard of any of this yeah. like, I, I didn't know this was a thing the travel insurance is mind-blowing yeah. yeah no I, me too I didn't know that either. and the only way i know that is because i took a guy from puerto rico to michigan and he was on a missionary trip and he was a pastor and they were clearing out these connexes. You know what connexes are? No. They're like everything that's in ports, right? Like you always see these in those drug dealer movies. Okay. And then like they're always searching them for drugs and stuff. And he was clearing one of those out and almost like 
he took the um, Jenga piece out of the wrong side, and the whole thing came toppling down on him, and he fractured his nose. And I said, how are you paying for this, man? You were on a missionary trip. There's no way your church can cover this fee. And he said that, um, yeah, he bought the trip insurance, and they covered it all with no questions asked. But he fractured his nose, and that was it? No, no. <laughs> I mean, he fractured, yeah, he fractured <laughs> his face, basically. Gotcha. Um, but... Yeah, great. Actually, guy. that'd be like if it was just what one little thing. I, yeah, I broke a finger. Can I? Can I? <laughs> right. Well, no. Like seriously, that company I was telling you that the five hundred dollar payment. If if you don't feel fit to fly, they they will fly you. So, it's pretty cool. I suggest everyone goes out and gets it, especially if you're an experienced traveler or you travel more than once a year. But hey, if you go to the islands, they also have like two week programs. If you go to the islands or Mexico, I would get that regardless. Mm-hmm. So anywhere that doesn't have great medicine, I suggest you get that. Yeah, because yeah, the key is getting out of there quickly. Is that essentially the... Yes, especially in those countries. I don't want to say any specific country, but let's just say the Caribbean. Sure. They, If you are American, and they will do this even in some countries in Europe, if you're American, you have to give your credit card up front. And instead of the bed being $200 a night, the bed will be $3,000 a night. And instead of you getting a shot for pain, they will give you like normal saline, which is nothing. And they will say, hey, we're giving you this. And it won't kill your pain, but you now owe us another 300 And they will just keep running your paycheck. <laughs> A baby has been born. <laughs> uh, so you kind of got into how you would even come across a job like that. But I mean, that's probably a gig that doesn't get a ton of applicants. I've never heard of it. So it's actually a super competitive. Anything flight medicine, because I'm a um, flight paramedic, and then we have a flight nurse. Um, anything flight-related with medicine is very highly competitive uh, just because you're over the Atlantic or you're in a helicopter, so it's high acuity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have a doctor to rely on. You don't have anyone to call, and you just have your skill. So you have to be... Um, you have to know what you're doing. And I think the austerior medicine that I did in the military helped me with this job. Yeah. Um, I've never really been confident in anything in my life. And I, I don't want to say I'm confident with medicine because I think that's scary. But um, I am at a point to where I've seen medicine be practiced poorly. And it gives me enough anxiety to want to continue to study and learn my craft every single day. Yeah. To which I feel confident enough to be able to do my job at the level I need to, but not confident enough to where I don't study. I constantly just give myself a little bit of ounce of anxiety about my next patient Sure. for that reason. Man, I'm so naive when it comes to stuff like that. Boy, I feel like no one would ever apply for something like that. <laughs> oh, actually, it's very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, it does pay better than, you know, street paramedics, God bless them, they make no money. Mm. You know, and it's really a controversy. Um, because and any nurse that's listening right now is probably going to want to call in and beat me for saying this, but there's really no difference in our scopes of practices except we work with more autonomy and we don't work underneath a doctor and we don't work under a doctor's orders. Of course, we want to work under standing orders, right. um, but they're not telling us what to do, why to do it, and then we can do airway on top of that. Nurses can't do airway unless they're trained to do it. Sure. Um, so that's really what my role is on the plane is, I do vent management, airway management, intubations, things like that. Um, and then she does a lot, or he does a lot of the charting and um, like medication, what time, the protocols, and things like that. So being in banking and sales sounds pretty boring right now. 
It does. <laughs> Good thing we have this podcast. What well, you your bank accounts wouldn't say it's boring, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, fair, but. <laughs> but I guess with your background, do you have a lot of friends call you up and say, hey, I got this going on. What do you think this is? Yeah, and I hate that. My brother does it all the time, you know, and my brother's the first one to call me an idiot, but he... <laughs> He obviously, you know, doesn't truly believe that because he calls me up all the time saying, hey, I got this going on or I have that going on. And I hate giving that advice because in medicine, it's not just a look, listen and feel. It is. But, you know, there's some lab values you need and there's some sort of in-person, you know, thing that you need to objectify like what's happening. You know, it's one thing to hear symptoms over the phone. It's another thing to see signs. Right. So. They always say that um, signs are objective. It's what you see and symptoms are what you're told. They're subjective. So that's usually what people give me over the phone is, oh, I feel this in my chest. Well, I mean, it could be like 900 things. And that's why if you Google it, you're going to think you're dying of a heart attack. So on a scale of one to 10, what's the pain? And some people are like, oh, it's not that bad. And, and, you know, it's excruciating and vice versa. Exactly. Dude, you probably just hit medicine to the T because a question we ask all of our patients is rate your pain zero through 10 because zero is a level, right? You probably feel zero pain right now. You wouldn't be calling me if it was zero. Zero to 10, 10 being the worst pain you've ever felt in your life. Unimaginable pain. And they go very calmly. They go, I'd say I'm an eight. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to jot that down, but you also jot that it's disproportional to the scale, right? Because yeah, do you ever anything in the middle? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's very seldom. You know, you, you do have mostly females like I'm a four, you know, guys are like, oh, I'm a one or I'm a 10, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's like you stub your toe. How are you a 10? I said the worst pain you've ever experienced in your life. But it's good, man. I mean, I absolutely fell in love with it. I still have opportunities to fly. Um, I do have a GI bill and I can go become a pilot that way. But I like I said, man, I just I fell in love with medicine so much. And to combine my two passions, it's hard for me to leave. But, you know, being a pilot's a great career right now. But it has its ebbs and flows with being a pilot. I mean, since I have been 10 years old, I think there's been four layoffs, four four furloughs Mm -hmm. in the industry of becoming a pilot. So I definitely keep it in the back of my mind. But um, it would be hard for me to leave medicine as well. What what sort of pilot? Commercial? Or are you talking about private? or So commercial just means anything you get paid for. Um, Airline is probably what you're talking about when you say commercial. Um, I don't think I would ever want to be an airline pilot just because it's really, I've never done it, but I view it as boring flying compared to private jets or medevac Mm -hmm. jets. Like we fly on a Lear 35 and it's a really fun jet to fly. Like if you hear any pilot, it's like, especially airliners, like I miss flying, you know, the smaller jets because you actually get to fly them. The bigger jets are all about safety, right? You know, you're taking 150 people, 200 people on this ride. You want to make sure it's safe as possible. So it basically flies itself and it has it's all this checks in the and sky. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I call them taxi drivers and they get <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> Duff, what were you a major in in college? I was a finance major. Finance. What about you? I was business communication and I dropped out my senior year to work insurance. Because I got hired by Liberty Mutual, and I was fully licensed insurance agent with um, PNC, which is property and casualty, which is your home, your auto, things like that. Yeah, and yeah. then I got life insurance. So I had three out of the four licenses by the time I was 20 years old. And when I was in college, I got hired by Liberty Mutual for an internship in Arizona, and they paid me $18 an hour. That's pretty. In an internship? In an internship in college. I mean, huh. and when you're 20, 21 years old, 
It's good money. You think you hit it, man. Yeah. You know? So my mother had an insurance agency. My brother was um, by trade a CPA. And I called him up one day and I was like, dude, go take the insurance test. I think we can make a lot of money. And uh, he makes a lot of money now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we did that. And uh, we both moved back to Boston, and um, we had an insurance agent. We, we took hers over from Wyndham, New Hampshire, and we ran that. And, man, it just it wasn't for me. Yeah. So I got out of it, and he still does it. Uh, he's more of the managerial side and, you know, buys them, makes them better, sells them, basically like house floppers for insurance agencies. But he loves it, man. I mean, he's got the best schedule in the world. And my other best friend that I did it with, I mean, he makes – tons of money too and he runs his own insurance agency in New Hampshire still so um, jokes on me but I do love what I do I never feel like I'm working and I have so much time off to be able to do what I want you know? I'd, I'd rather that I'd rather make less money and, and actually enjoy you know work I've been in sales most of my life and to be honest with you like I have a job right now that makes a lot of money but it can also be really stressful mm-hmm. so you know you're you're reliant on th- that next sale and if it you know, an economy that turns. Right. You know, you've got to you got to work a lot harder to maintain. You know what you were doing in a good economy. Right. I mean, so, you're a hunter, right? You, you kill exactly. when you do sales. Yep. And um, that's a difficult thing because just like with hunting, you have your seasons, right? Hunting sure. is not as prevalent as it is in the sum. I mean, in the winter as it is the summer. So you're stocking away your, you know, your nest egg. And then you just have to find a way to manage. But you've been in it for so long, and he's been in it for so long. You know, you have some sort of residual income and. Um, I mean, good for you guys. Um, my thing is exactly what you just said. Like, I wanted to be happy. I wanted to like the people that I worked with. And I don't want to sound like an angry. I make good money. It's just there's a cap to it. You know, it's not like I'm going to go out there and make $500,000 one year. I know I'm not. But there's such a difference of being happy doing what you do. Because, you know, for seven, eight years before the military, I was not happy with what I did. Yeah. So what do you do with the free time you got? I try and go on as many vacations as I can. I know that sounds, you know, a little counterintuitive since I'm always traveling, but it's not personal travel. And um, what traveling does help you do is find spots that you love to go to. Sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, I travel for a living, but I'm going to travel in my free time too. Yeah. That is kind of funny. Yeah. (laughs) You look at it that way. Yeah, and I, I'd love to hang out with my buddy Duff a little bit more, but that doesn't call me. Wow. <laughs> you also said too, like with your job, there's a cap to your income. And the other thing you can do with that is if you have a good amount of time off, man, always find something else you love and yeah. have that extra that, that extra money. He spends his money wisely. We had a conversation about him buying a dining room table. That's time. very frugal. Very frugal. <laughs> that's great. Though. Yeah, that's so funny. You remember that conversation? Yeah, it's just. I don't, that probably has to do with how I grew up, you know, but, um, I'm a pretty anxious person anyway. So I like to try and, you know, prepare for the cloudy days, but of course, I also did do sales and I did door to door sales actually. Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. I don't mean go get a second job somewhere. No, but here's the thing. You could, (laughs) you could, and you can make a lot of money doing it. I mean, my (sighs) buddy sells solar. Yeah, but you don't love that. Like I I work basically an inside job where I'm wholesaling you for know, sure, automotive no, wheels it, to somebody yeah. who buys wheels, and I enjoy that. I like the aspect of it. I like lifted trucks and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I like dealing with that. But I mean, find something of like a passion you have and monetize. Yeah, you, you said earlier you were considered a podcast with Tony. Yeah, no, that's I a did. great idea. Yeah, I just got to get him on board. You know what I mean? You also want to golf more. I do want to golf more, but that takes money Ooh. out of my pocket. <laughs> yeah, that's going the wrong way, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I do want to do that. 
I don't know. I, I do enough with my free time. I coach my nephew's baseball team. He's seven. He's in AAA in fall ball. And uh, that's probably one of the best experiences of my life. We coached him last year in AA. And, man, me and my brother, we just had a blast. I mean, we brought these kids um, that were first-year players, and we played the best team in the league. And we had to play them every single game because there wasn't enough kids. And for the first two games, we got smoked like 19-2. to two, And we didn't lose another game the rest of the season. Nice. Uh, we're hard on these kids. And, you know, it's so, so <laughs> funny. Like, you laugh, but, like, we thought the parents were going to hate us. They all requested us back this year. I mean, they oh. gave us, like, $150 gift cards at the end of the season. They were so appreciative. Uh, and I just think you just don't find the old style of coaching anymore. I think you find, like, oh, it's for fun, you know. But Dunedin has a pretty big history. I mean, Ron DeSantis was on that team, and they went to the Little League World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a possibility, and people in Dunedin still believe that. So they want to see that again. And the kids are talented, man. And if you can coach them to their potential, you really get a lot out of them. And you can see the change in their behavior, not just on the field, but off the field, yeah. like throughout mm-hmm. the year. Anytime you're, you're a youth in sports, you always in the moment, you got that hard coach, the one who's keeping you in line and, and strict. But then you look back now and you say, that guy was awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the guy who was just kind of letting you float by and, oh, you know, good job, bud, when you stink, you know. There's, there's something to the guy who keeps you, who puts pressure on you, pushes you, gets you out of that comfort zone, makes you better. Mm-hmm. And that stuff works in all forms of life. Like that makes you smarter. That makes you, you know, just more of a go-getter. That, that, those things are awesome. And you need that, especially as a kid. Yeah. And it gives you a tougher skin, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother's fantastic. He, you know, he's this, he's got a, a different type of personality. Um, to where he's really focused on stuff and he really could care less, couldn't care less what you think. Uh, and I admire that about him. And then sometimes I cringe about that, you know, but he's this type of, you know, kid that just wants excellence, you know? And he always asks his son, is this something you still want to do? And he always says, yes. You know, most times it's his son asking him, let's go play mm-hmm. baseball. And my brother will do it until his arm falls off, you know, cause he, he wants, if he's going to do it, he wants him to teach you, like put your effort into it. It doesn't matter if it's baseball. It doesn't matter if it's learning to tie your shoe, put your effort into it. Yeah. And I think that's what we're teaching the kids. And it's not even all about talent. Like some kid came up to my brother and he's like, hey, coach, can I uh, play the infield? And he goes, no. And he's like, well, why? And he's like, because you don't pay attention. He goes, this has nothing to do with your talent. You don't pay attention. You can get hurt in the infield if you don't pay attention. Right. And uh, he started to pay attention and he put him in the infield, there you know, you and he didn't pay attention. Ball went right by him and he almost got hit by it. But anyway, he did, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he did learn and, you know, he was appreciative of it and, um, they do start to like to win and they do start to put in more effort and they start not yeah. to like to lose. I mean, that's a good thing to teach a kid is to get that. You, you, okay. I've got a guy who's strict and I don't mean like the varsity blues correct. strict, like where they're just complete assholes and into where they, you know, would put the winning in front of somebody's health or safety or any of that. But like a good strict coach who, you know, harps on the kids and stays on them and is, you know, efficient, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's great for a kid, and, and to get that taste of a little bit of success because they have that, versus somebody who's just you know they're the bad news bears kind of thing. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's great for kids. Yeah, and there's three of us, so there's three coaches. Two of them, my brother's one of them. He has a son in the team, and then another coach named John. He has a son on the team, and him and their sons, they're best friends. They've been on the same team I think since single A. And I don't have a kid on the team. I just have a nephew. So we kind of all play different roles. My brother is that strict type of guy. Um, and when you do good, you know, he's pumping you up. Mm-hmm. And then 
John is this six foot six, you know, 250 pound football coach at Palm Harbor High and uh, just big guy, but he's super quiet, super laid back, but he'll get on you, but in a different way, doesn't yell at you, you know, just look, kind of gives you that look. And you're like, okay, this big guy's giving me that look. I get it. You know, you just really need that stern talking to. And I'm probably more in between. You know, I joke around with the kids, but I'm also tough on them. And then, so I think they get a good balance. And I think the parents like that. The stern look growing up, that was my mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like some people had coaches like that. My mom did not have to yell at me or have to even say much. She just had a look that would rip you in half. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Not, in you. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Sometimes it was one, sometimes it was the other, but yeah, for sure. But when you have a child that responds to that look without even having to say anything, you know you did your part that that kid gets it. Right. And he knows what it's like to be respectful, and he knew he was screwing up. He just knows he got caught. Yeah. Because kids are going to push the boundaries. Oh, absolutely. It's just for you to bring them back in, and they know they're pushing the boundaries. Yeah. I have an eight-year-old daughter who she, she pushes them all. She's sweetheart, great kid. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, she, she needs COVID for her in reading, she basically took it off. She's like, yeah, I'll read for five minutes and I'll get Bobby <laughs> fine. Well, she wasn't in school. She was at home for a while. So she struggles a little bit. She's not bad, but just for where she should be right now, she's a hair behind. But she'll, every, every nook and cranny, she can, you know, let me, can I do this instead? Can I do this? Can I only do it for 10 minutes? Can I only do it for five minutes? Can I only do it for 15? Right. Say, no, 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 no. You need to want to, you need to know that you need to want to improve. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, trying yeah. to beat that in. Yeah, I think that's important for all aspects of life. You know, I grew up a little different, and I was the youngest of three, and my oldest two brothers are completely opposite people. And um, I just think I had to kind of teach myself some of that stuff. You know, I wasn't the best student. I wasn't the worst student. I was super respectful. You know, my teachers always loved me. They'd want, they always wondered why I wasn't living up to my potential. And uh, I don't think it was till I realized till I got to college and then after college, like what it really takes, you know, to become successful at something. Yeah. And I just started reading on my own. It was that natural curiosity. It was that want. It was that need to want to do better. Right. And once I found that that was it, if someone explained to me why school was important, I think I probably would have done good in school. Or if they made school a competition, right? Like I feel like I would have really wanted to do yeah. better in school. Men, th- that's a great thing to do for men, boys making a competition like that i have a whole instance where me and a buddy of mine that i went to school with we failed eighth grade like earth science the first term Mm -hmm. and then i got like a 57 and our teacher was like well look if you two can both get an a for the second term i'll throw you a private pizza party after school so i was like oh okay yeah done i got a 91 he didn't but you know he she also said we can invite a friend so i invited him Right. <laughs> no, and how you fun rewarded is that? Him? I rewarded him for not. Well, you really rubbed it in his face. That. You really rubbed it like, yeah. hey, I'm I, inviting you to I my pizza party. Exactly. <laughs> I earned this for us. Right. Just so you know. And it's funny because I have a couple stories like that. Like every time I got an A in the class, it's because my best friend was in that class going, I'm going to get a better grade than you. Mm. And we both got A's in those classes. You know, that was like our junior in high school. I also have a, competi- a competition, and this was in like government, my yeah. sophomore year of high school. This is a funny story. I can't believe I haven't told you this one yet, but I wasn't the best of students. And Mr. Rhodes was the teacher. He's now gone. He was our t- tennis teacher too. Um, I think he passed away my senior year, but one of the best teachers I've ever had. I mean, he made in- learning so interesting. But at that time, I was in so many sports, this and that. I was just getting my license, you know, had more going on. But he knew I knew the material. 
I just wouldn't do all the projects all the time. But I would do very well on the tests. And there was this other kid in the class named Glenn. And Glenn was the same way. Mr. Rhodes, on the second to last day of school before finals, brought in habanero peppers. And he goes, Justin and Glenn, step up in front of the class. He goes, I have a way for you guys to turn your Bs into B pluses. <laughs> and I looked at that habanero. I knew exactly what he was going to say. I said, give it to me. Let's go. And he starts <laughs> laughing. He goes, I love that you already know what this is going to be. He was just an old school teacher, man. Like He taught me in middle school for cross country. I just had a good rapport with this guy. And I put that habanero in my mouth. He put the habanero in his mouth. And I mean... I wouldn't even show that it phased me. And I was dying, sweating. <laughs> and Glenn was in the hallway puking. And he was oh. laughing. And I always think back, if you did that to this day, mm. that teacher would be thrown out. But man, I got to be plus in the class. And I ate it and I scoffed it down. And I think I sucked water the rest of the day. And I think Glenn <laughs> went home. <laughs> did, so you uh, beat Glenn. No, yeah, yeah, Glenn. Good yeah. competition. So a couple of years ago, uh, maybe a year or two ago, I bought the one chip challenge thing. Remember those? Yep. And we went out, we went drinking at Green Bench, and I brought them with us. And I basically told May, I was like, I'm, I'm going to bitch out. I'm not, I'm not going to have these. And she's like, you know who would want those? Russell. Did she you sent ever, me that text message. Did you ever get those? She hasn't gave it to me yet, no. What? I was but curious if you, ever, if you actually had it. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. I was just in Tarpon Springs the other day. I was at a hot sauce place. Yeah. And they have a hot sauce made by that same company. And it's like 16 million Scovilles. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. It's, I think it's, you know, uh, organically made at this point. Like a organic chemistry makes it. I don't think there's peppers that are that hot. Yeah, no. But I was like, what if I bought that? She's like, well, it's $25. And you have to sign a release form. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. It's going to destroy your insides. But yeah, I ended up going with one that was like 3 million Scovilles, but... It's it's pretty hot, I'll be honest with you, but I put it on everything just because I try and get my tolerance up. I, guys, this is what I'm saying. This is how much I love competition. This is why, I, and it goes back to why I joined the military. I wanted that. It is yeah. why I partially liked sales too. Sure. I loved that competition. Yep. And that is exactly what Aaron was looking for too, is we just wanted that competition. Right. I mean, guys, we loved competition so much that he was 30, I think he turned 32 in basic. He did. Yep. Uh, right before basic, because I turned 28, so that would make sense. Because yeah, you guys left in August, right? Yes. So, guys, we were the oldest kids in basic, and he got the award for top PT, and I was like third on the list, but I got another award out of 250 people. I mean, we thought we were going to get smoked. This is a guy who couldn't walk after doing a PT test before the military because his knee hurt was hurting him so bad. I remember the <laughs> third day I met him, he sent me a text. He goes, dude, I, I got to text my boss. I can't go to work. I can't walk. And I said, yes. I was at work down the street from his house. And I said, dude, I'm going to the gas station right now. I'm going to get you some water. I mean, I'm going to get you some ice. And I get there. He's in a bath. And I'm pouring ice into that bath. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like the fourth day I knew him. That was just our relationship, you know, but... We went there. We were determined, you know, to do the best. And we just stuck out, you know. We just did that, you know. This, it's exactly what we both were looking for. Where was the PT was in, was that Oklahoma? Where was The it? basic? Yeah. Oklahoma, yeah. Okay. Fort Sill. Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the uh, home of the 14 series, which is like Patriot Missile Act. Right. So if you do that. Um, and then home of like artillery. Yeah, that's what it is. It's home of artillery. But also medical goes there because we go to San Antonio for medical training. Right. Yeah, please. A yeah, baby needs up, to be born. Man. Yeah. 
time for a round of beers. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, that's insane, though. Where you have a whole bunch of 18, 19, 20, 22 year olds, whatever. And, and the two oldest people, 28 and 32, are two of the top three. Right. That doesn't, doesn't, yeah. that, that doesn't speak highly for our youth, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, they How, were should really, we be worried? They were really good, too, but you know, they would have one or two categories that they were really good in. You know, and me and Aaron, we had three months before we joined the military to where we worked out every single day, and we modified our workouts from lifting weights to push-ups, sit-ups, and pull-ups mm-hmm. with running. Right. And um, we just did that. We, It's just, it wasn't work for us. It's what we loved to do, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I remember my first PT test, my drill sergeant said, Jesus, Russell, like, you can do that many push-ups, you know? <laughs> and uh, I was shocked. I thought that that was a low number. So that's what set my expectation high of, like, I can do this. You I know? crush this. Like, if he, if he's impressed by that. Right. Yeah. And I always was the young kid everywhere I always went because I always hung out with older people my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, my brother's best friends were my best friends. True. So I, that's the greatest thing about my oldest brother is what I tell everyone is my oldest brother used to let me, he was not ever embarrassed about me. He used to let me hang out with him and his friends and go places with his friends all of the time. And I think that created some of who I am today Sure. with that. But... um I was always the young one. So when I went to basic, it was so weird getting cold all like What's the old. what's the age difference between me and my oldest brother? Yeah. He's Aaron's age, so he is 37. So it's about 4 year difference. Yep. You guys are two, two and a half. Two yeah. and a half. Yeah. So my youngest brother is just turned 30 and I'm 30, just turned 38. So we're 8 years difference basically. So, it's a little I would always when we did poker tournaments, you can attest to this. I always let him joined too but it was just such an age range to where he was right very young right. in comparison to the rest of us like right. we would play poker like a one table thing and if he didn't win like usually he'd but again at the time he was uh, 10 11 <laughs> would like throw a fit if he didn't win well of course <laughs> and it was a little different and look and we're all like almost 20 you know and i didn't get to throw fits because he'd pound me they'd all pound me yeah. and i would take it and not tell on you know what i mean yeah um, Justin is uh, afraid of cats because of his brothers. <laughs> Correct. Great story, Duff. Correct. So yeah, wait, wait, hold on. Before you get into that, like I've watched Impractical Jokers and Sal is afraid of cats. I would think that's bullshit. So now you're <laughs> actually afraid of cats? Petrified. Yeah. I got to hear this. I got to hear this. Uh, and I'm claustrophobic, and these stories go hand in hand. Okay. I actually gave this story at his wedding when I was his best man. But uh, we had this cat named Mickey. Mickey looked like Mickey. She was a black cat with a white undertone. And um, she was older than I was. She was in the family before I was. And she loved Steven. Steven's my older brother. And he would get Mickey riled up to where her nails came out. And then he would shove us under a blanket together. (laughs) (laughs) And we would duke it out. Or he would shove us in a closet, like a linen closet, and just keep us in there to the point to where my cat knew I was so scared of her when I was even in sixth grade she would sit outside my door because she knew what time I woke up and she would just sit there waiting for me to open the door and then she'd lunge at me (laughs) it's like a bully in an alley and then she would let me out of the room and then chase me around the house and I used to have to scream for my mom because my brother was already off at school you know because we had different starting times so I used to shout for my mom to come get us but yeah and that was just our relationship man I mean my brothers pounded on me, but 
But we we have two sweet cats here that really leave you alone. Mm. And he when we invited him. Russell over not too long ago, he's just sitting there and one of them came up next to him, like brushed his leg and he just was like, oh my God. Like, Is that why you <laughs> tightened up so quick? No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but you made me grow. I remember, I, what was it, Nala? I, yeah. pat, I, t- I think I patted yeah. her that time. Then they're soft. That was the first time I've ever pat a cat in my life. Wow. Yeah. My goodness. Yep. I'm also slightly allergic too, so I uh, always tell girls that I date. I'm like, do you have a cat? And I don't tell them it's because I'm scared of them. I tell them it's terrifying. allergic. Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's out there now, so they'll know. Yeah, no. Don't put your Tinder profile. Go listen to the Random Panther podcast I was on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's another reason why I can relate to you, Tony, and Aaron so much. Is a story I think about from time to time is when you guys were shoveling. And you guys are, you and Aaron start throwing snowballs. And Tony's getting mad. And Tony goes, go ahead, throw one more. And I don't know if it was you or him. You could probably tell the story better than I could. But didn't he, like, go inside or something? Yeah, who knows who hit him. But, yeah, that was his whole thing. It would land next to him. It wouldn't even hit him. And he would say, I'm going inside. You guys are throwing snowballs at me. And then he'd make Aaron and I shovel the rest of his. Yeah. So it actually even got to the point where we'd throw, like, once we knew he was going inside, we were going we to have to do his work. We just started pelting with snowballs. <laughs> so even to the point where he'd open the door and we would be still throwing them inside that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a. There's nothing funnier <laughs> than, you know, sibling stories, man. And obviously you have your ups and downs with it. But, sure. man, when you can look back and just laugh at them, you know, yeah. there's no hostility towards it. It's just. There's nothing funnier than brothers because you just go through it all. Yeah. So how many siblings do you have? I have two older sisters, a younger brother, and a younger sister. And then also my dad from another marriage. I have a, another younger brother, but I very rarely, for reasons I'm not quite sure, we just don't ever talk. Yeah. Is it something you're interested in when he gets older? Like, how, What's the age disparity there? He's about the same age as my brother that I talk to all the time. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, about eight years younger. And I don't know, it's just, I never understood why there's not much communication with that aspect of it. But yeah, we have a a weird range and a weird, but the thing is, here we are all these years later, and I get along great with all of them, really. Yep. So, you know, I have the one younger sister, Tessa. If you ever listen to my old podcast, The Larry and Stowe Show, she did the intro. This is Tessa, and you're (laughs) listening to The Larry and Stowe Show. (laughs) That was back uh, 09, 10, whatever, but... Yeah, she is now 15-ish, and I'm 38. Yeah. So, big range. Yep. Big range. So, how long have you been... Was he being serious when he said you went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. how long have you had this interest? How many times have you tried it? So... Are you doing the interview now? Yeah, no, hey, let's... (laughs) I'm just curious. We're just talking. background. BS. Um, no, I, I graduated high school and didn't go to college. I was going to go to Quint Sig, and then I was like, well, that's stupid. Like, I can, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be fine without that, um, which I probably should have gone to college, like an actual good school. But instead, so a couple of years later, um, me and a good friend of mine, Josh Maisto, were both interested in broadcasting. So we're like, you know what? Connecticut School of Broadcasting is super easy. It's less than a year. It's only a couple nights a week, and let's go. So we both went together. Did the same same course, and um, that's how we we learned this to, to talk into a microphone. But no, there's a, there's really a lot to it. And <laughs> well, I think Felger and Maz went there, right? There's, some there's big a lot, like Boston, Pete Shepard, and all that. Yeah. Like he used to be the voice of them, right? Mike Adams, which are all you know, not the 
primary Boston guys, but they all a lot well, of Well, since we're all there. from Boston, do you guys listen to Felger Mass? No. Either of you? No, no, no. Oh when I God. lived in Massachusetts, I hated Michael Felger. Why? With a passion. Why? Just... Uh, Dude, his takes, man. I can relate to some of them. No, and a lot of people say that. I just didn't like his like snarky, I'm smarter than you, cocky attitude. I don't I, I don't relate hilarious. I don't yeah. relate to that. Duff's like, looking know. at me like that's you. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I, I, I don't see that at all. I don't either. I'm I not that, that way. I do I do have a, a very passionate. Opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'm very passionate. I do have a different opinion than Duff. But like that's what I like. We're all, you know, Boston sports fans. I've kind of went away from the Patriots just because of Tom Brady, but luckily he came to where we are. But Duff specifically told me to ask you about that. Yep. Yep. So let's get into that. Sure. So you and Larry are, has a Patriots hat on. I see that. That's speak. what made me think of it. <laughs> you are less of a Patriots fan because Brady went left and won, and the Patriots haven't. Or let me it, start this off. With, yeah. <laughs> I have been the biggest Patriots fan since I was probably six years old. Drew Bledsoe. Everyone's like, "Oh, Britney Spears, this and that." Around <laughs> their room, I had Drew Bledsoe memorabilia posters <laughs> around my room. That guy was my hero. I was number eleven in everything I did. Just loved the guy. And um, then when Brady got in, I was upset. But I love Bill Parcells. Pete Carroll was all right. But anyway, so yeah, I fell in love with Brady. And I did used to think, like every New England fan, that Belichick was a good coach. And then I grew up. And I started to become objective. And I just started to look at it. You know, the year Brady got hurt, everyone was like, well, Bill Belichick still went 11-5 and five with Matt Castle. Well, guess what? He had a team about the year before that was 16-0. and 0. You know, and guess what? 11 5 didn't make the playoffs that year. So the NFC or the AFC East didn't have a tough schedule that year. You know, didn't even make the playoffs. So before Brady, Belichick wasn't a good coach. After Brady, Belichick, still not a good coach. I mean, record wise, you know, everyone's like, oh, but look what he did in the Giants. That was Bill Par that was Bill Parcell's defense. Yeah. Bill Belichick called some of the defensive plays and he was the coordinator, but you have a Hall of Famer, an LT, and you're going to take credit for being a defensive genius. Come on. And then you come to the Patriots. You leave the Jets because you realize they have nothing, and you realize you can follow your buddy, Bill Parcells, and have all of his draft picks in Teddy Bra I mean Teddy Bruschi, you know, all of those picks, and then have an already good defense in place, and then you're going to get credit for being a defensive genius again? How come you weren't a defensive genius versus the Giants in the Super Bowl? Why did Brady always have to put up over – if he didn't put up over 24 points, we didn't win the game. I mean, they lost 14-10. 14-10 exactly. or 17-14, something yeah, like that. 17-14. Guess I think what? Those are the two finals, 14-10 yeah, yeah. and 17-14. Brady, a defensive coach, you don't have to do that. You can win 14 to 10 games rather than lose them all the time. We always lost close, low-soaring games. That's not mm -hmm. a defensive genius. That is Brady. And the games we did hold their defenses off, I mean, their offenses off, is because Brady was on the offense on the field for like, 75% of the game. Yeah, of course, if your offense isn't on the game, the field, you can't score. I think one isn't one without the other. And yeah, Brady went to a loaded, incorrect, loaded Buccaneers team yeah. and won a Super Bowl. I get it. Can and we talk about that? Can we talk about it being loaded? Sure, go ahead. Okay, talk about the players that he had before Brady announced his signing to the Bucs. Listen, I totally understand. Bill Belichick as a GM, especially like mm -hmm. the last five, six draft years of Brady's. Yeah, they're not Even good in the draft. Even before that. But here's what Belichick tried to do, I think, is would spend money on in places where maybe they're not the most exciting, but they load your they 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 load up your roster. You're you're solid from one to fifty-three, 
versus being solid from one to 28. And then you're kind of weak. And if you have injuries, you have no depth, things like that. People really discount the fact that Brady, not Brady, sorry, Belichick built a team. He, I, and I, what you're shaking your head? What? Because Brady built that team. Brady built. If you Brady talk to anyone on the Patriots, anything. if you hear anyone on the Patriots, they all say that that locker room was because of Brady. And they say it now well, in the, the Patriot Bucks. way. You're absolutely and right. And they say it now in the Bucks. Belichick hurt that locker room. He's terrible with people. He's absolutely terrible. No, there's players that specifically said, "I'll go anywhere but New England," and they had Tom Brady as their quarterback. I, what I, does that tell you? I we, mean, Malcolm Butler actually. I, I never thought Malcolm yeah, Butler. Would I, I think you have. A, yeah, but Malcolm year. Butler's like a C player. You have. Well, he no, went, he's gone now. But he's I, went. He went back to he came New back England when Belichick. Because yeah, he was nothing. He was nothing off that team, though. You have like a he wasn't even started. Bias that goes so far one way. <laughs> what I am telling you is, he has <laughs> never been anything by himself. He didn't build that team. That's why the, the yeah, Bucks no, are stacked what, because what, Leonard Fournette said, I am only going to the Bucks what because great, of Brady. What great not, anything. Didn't Evans signed like a, a team-friendly deal too? Yeah, like, they always had Evans. But I'm saying they brought players in. They brought Gronk. They brought Leonard Fournette. They loaded but they up. would have lost players too they brought if it Julio wasn't for Brady. Jones into that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. They Exactly that. Like Chris Godwin, he was looking to go elsewhere, but he stayed. I mean, people want to play with Brady. My thing is this. The first four years, the uh, three out of four when the Patriots won all those Super Bowls. Yeah. Okay? Tom Brady was not the Tom Brady of now. I mean, he had game-winning Bill Belichick, drives Bill Belichick, he did, but he had a good team around him. Sure. Bill Belichick Thank you, built those Thank you, teams. Bill Parcells. Bill Belichick built those teams. Bill Parcells. Pete, Pete Carroll was there before. <laughs> yeah, not but Bill, Bill Parcells. Yeah, but those were all his draft picks. No, those were all Pete Carroll and Bill Parcells draft picks. Yeah, maybe like uh, McGinnis. Uh, maybe McGinnis was probably the only Teddy Bruschi. Teddy Bruschi's Bill Belichick. Yeah, Ty Law. Do you guys want to keep going? Parcells, continue. <laughs> no, continue. Go ahead. Ben Coates, Terry Glenn. I mean, these. Uh, who did who did but, Bill Belichick? But you're draft talking that about team? that. That's like the first Super Bowl. There okay, was, there was more after that that continued, and it wasn't all Bill Parcells players. Who was I it? know you want to completely discount what, David Givens, Dion Branch. I mean, and what did they things. do off the team? Don't concede. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't concede. I don't remember these days. <laughs> I do because I, I watched. I we watched. are trying to dig back 20 years, and my brain's like you drink too I many beers to remember this. I team IPA. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna. We're yeah, gonna, we're gonna have rando banter shirts. I just that say think, team IPA in the back. I genuinely think no. no <laughs> I genuinely think the Patriots could have won 10 Super Bowls if Belichick recognized that Brady was it rather than think that he was it. He's an egotistical maniac. I don't like him for that reason. He gave Brady no talent. In the year he did give him talent, they went 18-1, and one, and he broke records of touchdowns, and he broke records of hookups between a wide receiver and a quarterback for touchdowns. I love the Bucs now, and Brady's still doing his thing, and the Patriots are struggling. And I want the, I want the Patriots to do good. I really do. I would you think love the Bucs have a chance this year or what? Bucs, Bills, Super Bowl, probably. And I just want to let you guys know I called Josh Allen when he was in Wyoming. Thought he was going to be an actual quarterback. Meaning. Did he pick up? No. <laughs> <laughs> did he? Uh, what did he answer? Can I call him? No. no I, I think you're you're way too far giving Parcells you do. too much credit for. Look, Parcells. There were absolutely players that Parcells drafted. You know that were on that team. Absolutely. Asante Samuel, not Bill Belichick. Absolutely, Bill Belichick. He literally got rid of him. He was. Well, he got rid of him. I'm he also sure drafted, he drafted him. Yeah. Also Are drafted. you sure he drafted him? Yeah, positive. Get your phone out. Yeah, let's uh, Google it up. Let's uh, let's Google that because I, Samuel. Yeah, I he, think he was drafted in two thousand. Well, that would have been Pete Carroll. Then that wouldn't have been right. Parcells. Well, no, it might have been. 
It, it might have been Bill Belichick yeah. in 2000. Yeah, well, yeah, Bill Belichick was 2000. Parcells Maybe had been he was gone even from like the Patriots in 96. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 97. The year after the January Bowl, of 97? Right? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> he was drafted by the New England Patriots in the fourth round of the 2003 draft. Yeah, yeah I was going to say one of those. That's Bill Belichick. That's well into Belichick's yeah. time. All right, so... And Belichick got rid of... Asante Samuel was due a big contract. Why didn't he ever give good people big contracts? Because that's you, a it's good a part of being cap. a GM. It's a salary, salary cap. cap. Why did the, how did the Bucs be able to do it? What's that's a bigger... Dude, Asante Samuel got two Super Bowls, right? Yeah. If he was drafted Com- in 03? Comparing the 2003, 4, 5... No, because if he was drafted... In, yeah, who did... It's, a, it's the 04 and 05 Super Bowls they won. Comparing that salary cap... his and first two years, he won Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah. And the, then he was going to go get paid. Yep. The reason Belichick, but we could have won in 2007 The again. reason Belichick's less effective now <clears throat> is because there's way more money available and people are manipulating the salary cap in ways, <clears throat> not that they're cheating or anything, but in ways that people didn't do back then. Oh, because Bill Belichick's honest Abe, right? He doesn't bend rules. That doesn't have nothing to do with that. It's <laughs> not what I'm talking about. It but is. I'm just saying, your Lord and no, no, Savior no, no, no. also bent some rules. You're yeah. totally misunderstanding 100%. what I'm saying. <laughs> just people now, like if Bill, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> oh, so now we're now we're. <laughs> well, no, we could all get Patriots together on this. Like, what, what is there? The Indy was pumping sound into the Atlanta. Stadium. Was too, yeah. Atlanta. There, yeah, there's several people. No, that look, here's the thing: many guys. people get. I caught. don't hate the Patriots. I don't like yes, Bill Belichick. Do. No, I don't like Bill Belichick. And everyone from New England has their head so far up it. And it, You're from that New makes England. Me mad. Yeah, it just makes me so mad. So not everyone. I like objective views. I like people to be able to have different opinions without groupthink. That's all. No, but I think we just say, we're we're saying it's half and half. Yeah, like, I'm not I'm not saying I, that. No, Bill I Belichick. You genuinely believe it's half and half. I do. So if it's half and half, then Bill Belichick will win a Super Bowl within the next what five six years. Yeah, good it's progress a, the last uh, few years. Do you years, think he'll make it to a Super Bowl? How about this? Do you, let's put it this way. I will say anything that Bill Belichick does not make it back to an AFC championship for the rest of his career. Or well, he doesn't have much yeah. career left. He's but older than he looks. In the NFL right now, too. there's like five or six top-tier quarterbacks, and you need to have one of those. You're not – I don't give a shit who you are. Not if you're a defensive genius. Doesn't matter. Even, even defensive genius needed a great quarterback. Like really? no matter who you Trent about. Dilfer with the Baltimore Ravens. Very rare. There's Couple like two instances with yeah, you know, Dilfer. There's very, with very few instances. Nick Folk uh, yeah, with they, the Philadelphia and, Eagles. And who also, you named a kicker. <laughs> listen, yeah, yeah, but you're saying, hold on. <laughs> who hold, beat the Patriots? You can't you're just talking right? and not letting anybody respond. Nick Foles. Yeah. Nick Foles. So listen, so all of those guys, yes, very good defensive coaches, but also had talent. They also had the roster to make those defensive geniuses be defensive geniuses. You said yourself with LT on the Giants, you're taking credit away from Belichick, but you're giving credit to Ravens and the Bucks and Tony Dungy or whoever the hell was their coach when they won the Because those are true defensive geniuses. As is Belichick when he has the players around him. But now, why listen, doesn't he you're draft? Right. He was in charge of right. the draft. If you're a defensive genius, mm-hmm. why can't you draft somebody? I do not disagree with you that Bill Belichick – as a GM lacks. I don't disagree with you. I've said that many times before. Not that we've talked about it, but in discussions, absolutely. Bill okay, Belichick is not you. a great GM. He's a good GM. He's not great. You know, if they had maybe, I don't even know who, but somebody else that had a bigger influence or, or even a somebody to bounce ideas off of that wasn't a Belichick guy, 
I think the other thing I'll point out too is when you have a successful team, you're poached. Mm-hmm. They've had so Every many people year. poached yeah. from them. So that's the other part is Belichick's the one consistent, <clears throat> which actually, in my opinion, is pretty damn impressive. I just want to say this real quick. I'm loving this, boys. There's nothing better than talking football. Yeah. There's nothing better than talking sports. And especially tomorrow's the opening week, you know? It's opening day oh, tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this will actually air about a week from Tuesday. Right. Okay, yeah. so, so we'll be a week into it. So but Larry and I are going to be in a rough shape in a few weeks when this airs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, we're in two. <laughs> no, Justin was right. I'll still be rooting for Fuck the Patriots. I will still be rooting for the Patriots. You know, but if they ever play the Bucks, I will want the Bucks to crush them. College football. Who do we like? Who who you, who's your team? I know you're. I don't have a college team. I not watch, at all. I like to watch. Duff, do you go for USF then? I, I was actually talking about this with a couple of people. I haven't no, gone to USF. Oh God, no, I cannot be a Golden Knight. But um, <laughs> uh, I haven't gone to a game since 2009, and uh, that was actually in Notre Dame, which was awesome. So um, and we actually beat they them. won that game, right? Yeah, they won that game. So last ASU game I went to was Notre Dame. So yeah, it's uh, they've been tough to root for. So I, it's and it's tough. Nobody goes to the stadium. They're actually going to try to build an on-campus skate, uh, stadium. So that should be really good for USF football. Hopefully, people start going. Right. But it's just tough. We hired one of the offensive coordinators for Clemson when they were great a few years ago, and I mean, it's just we haven't given anybody time to develop a team there. So yeah, I think Jim Levitt was the last mm-hmm. successful coach with uh, Matt. Number eight, Matt. Um, Guy. Uh, gro- growthy. There growthy. Growthy. Man, they went to number two. I was a sophomore yep. in high school. Junior. I was at the game. They high beat school. Kansas, and they moved all the way up to number two. Yep. And then the next week, I think they lost to Rutgers on a Thursday night. Yep. And, and it's sad because they beat Auburn that year. And like, Auburn was like number one, right? Yep. They or beat Florida two. State sometime yep. around there. They beat Notre Dame. They had some good wins, and then... Twelve years later, it's funny it's that nothing. USF can't recruit. Mm. Great location. Yeah, they're in not the South, but they're in at least that Southern Belt, where there's great yeah, talent. Why, why would you go to Miami over USF? Besides the history, it, I don't know. There's more distraction. There's more to get in trouble with. Yeah. It's the conference. They've never been able to get to one of those elite conferences. They got into the Big East. The Big East left or the, the disbanded. So they've always That's been in point. that like second tier <laughs> division and or conference and. Let me know what you guys think of this. I was talking about this with someone the other day. Two conferences of football. Get rid of football conferences. One, I think they're a nightmare. Look what's happening with the Pac-12. You, what is it? USC left. UCLA left. Look, do this. East, West. Okay. You pick fifty-something teams in each conference. No, you pick twenty. Yeah, you pick 20, the twenty-five. You rank the best twenty-five teams. Okay, and then you have a playoff with like twelve teams from each. Conference. That's where they're going. And then the East faces the West in the national championship. And you have it like pro sports. I mean, guys, they rank 25 teams right now. Right. You can rank another 25 teams. You can have two different rankings. I mean, the NCAA does 64 teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't rank them, but. The basketball, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And look how many bowl games there are. There's enough for 25 games yeah. of playoffs. And I think it should be like soccer. The winner. Like of D one double A, the champion of some that relegation comes up. <laughs> yeah, like Let's bring it. Let's That's bring actually it. a pretty good idea. You the problem is they schedule these games so far in advance. Like it's like, mm-hmm. oh, USF's playing Notre Dame in twenty thirty. I'm like, okay, what? Do you want me to buy tickets now? <laughs> like, yeah, what's the talent going to be? Right. You know, and I think that's I think that with the NIL, 
you're not even going to be able to have parity anymore because people are just going to want to go to Alabama, Clemson, you know, all the top schools to get that recognizability or notoriety, whatever you want to call it. And I think if you do the East versus the West, I think you'll see more parity, especially with NIL, because I think that will be able to distribute the talent a little what bit What you more. need to do, though, if you're going to do something like that, is you need to do a rotating schedule or something. where Because, like, right now, Cincinnati, like, plays nobody. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but if they played Ohio State, they could somehow have, like, a, a measuring game of where you are. Like, Correct. They made the college football playoff, and they kind of got their ass kicked. And it was like, oh, everybody says they should be there. They should be there. They're undefeated or whatever. But they didn't play anyone. So now Ohio State won't play them because they only have – if they lose, it looks terrible on them. And if they win, they're supposed to. So right. they have no benefit of playing that game. Yep. Now, that's a good point. But I think the West should only play the West. I think the East yeah. should only play the East. That yeah. way you eliminate that problem. Right. Because look what happened to UCF that year. UCF undefeated – Won their big bowl game. But who'd they play? I know, but when they did play, who'd they play in the Chick Fil A bowl that game? And they won. Yeah, I think uh, they should have at least been afforded the opportunity. They yeah. have on their bowl na- twenty seventeen national. National. I don't like that. Me. No. I don't like that. That's yeah. stupid. But, but if they played somebody for real and could prove, hey, we're actually this good, yeah. we we beat that competition. Fine. The problem is sometimes when they schedule these games, they're good. They may have beat Florida State when right. they schedule them. Florida State may have been a decent and team. Eleven. And yeah. that goes back to your point you were just making: stop scheduling games so far out yeah. in advance. Yeah. Well, and one thing I just pulled up, and and Russell, you're a better here. So you, there's four teams that are better than I guess Alabama to win the national championship. Plus 180. Okay, so that's... Okay, yeah. Ohio State, plus 300. Georgia, plus 350. Clemson, plus 800. USC, plus 2,000. Right. So it's almost like, hey, there's four teams. Like, that's why I'm not really interested in college football. It's like, all right, well, to start the year... You've down to four teams. We're the same... Exactly. (laughs) Four or five teams every year. And if USC wasn't USC, they wouldn't even be plus 2,000 with that talent. Will they be okay? Yes, because they're... You got Lincoln Riley, too. Yeah, you got a new coach, a a big coach. But look what happened to Oregon last week. They got blown. Uh, I think that's because they want want the Pac-12 to be good. But the Pac-12 cannot play in big games. Florida Florida beat Utah. Utah was number seven. Exactly. And Utah is a good team for the Pac-12. That's the sad part. Was anybody else excited that you uh, LSU lost? <laughs> I kind of like LSU. I know, but th- who's the or guy Brian from Kelly. Notre Dame? Brian, Brian Kelly, Kelly yeah. comes down yeah. from Notre Dame, puts on a fake Southern accent. So oh, he did can, he do that? I didn't oh, even know. Yeah, so he can blend bad. in. Isn't with, he's from Boston, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he is. And he's. I don't even like Brian Kelly. He's talking like he's from the South. Like I was so excited that he. he, he uh, well, the thing is, you like real people. Irritating. Like, if you're, yeah. you're, you're like, either a real person from Boston or you're. Correct. If you're a fake person, he was fake. You're gonna figure that out quick, right? Unless you leave, which he did, and because Chip Kelly, he's from Boston too, right? Well, he coached at UNH, University of New Hampshire. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Chip Kelly is that the guy with the? He went to Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. He like developed that. Went to the San Francisco 49ers for a couple years. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. The Eagles. Eagles. But I think he did go to the Niners for a year. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But um, yeah, we we got to do some research. <laughs> yeah, we're not sitting here. If we had a, that's what we need. We need a producer. We yeah. need Joanna. We'd just be like, yeah, someone who's good at it. Google <laughs> shit when we're talking about it, so we know. Well, then if that's the case, 
Larry, yes, I'm happy LSU lost. I don't like when people do that. I don't like oh, when so presidential candidates do that. I yeah, think yeah. it's terrible. Be yourself. You don't need to have the accent. They're going to like you more, especially in the South like that, if, if you you're win. authentic yeah. if you win. and if you win. Before the internet, you can get away with being fake, <laughs> but not anymore. they'll call you out right yeah. away. Yeah. He was fake. And you'll have a couple memes to you, too. So like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, good, man. I'm so happy football is back. It's like... How do you feel about uh, Arizona State? Are they a football school? They are a football school. They're, they're predominantly a baseball school. They've been, you know, yeah. they're number one all the time, and then they... Like any pack, good Pac-12 school, they crap the bed. I don't remember why, but when, and this is a totally true story, but I was looking like, so I had never left New England or anything like that. And when I was looking at colleges, I was actually looking at like Arizona, Arizona State, like that. I don't want to go to California, but I don't know, something about the Midwest, like desert, like just something, to- not Midwest, sorry, the West, <laughs> but just something totally different from what I knew in New England. So I was like, Arizona would be sick. So I was like looking at those schools. Before I was just like, oh, I'm just not gonna, not gonna go to college. Larry, you're very pale. <laughs> I'm very, yeah. less that would be terrible. For, well, I live in Florida now, so <laughs> that would be I, terrible. I'm seeing me. a little more color to you, Larry. Looking no, good. A little bit, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. And I'll be honest, that's how I, me and my buddy, discovered to go to Arizona State. You're just like, I need something different. It was our freshman year of high school. We Googled fun colleges, and that's how we ended up with Arizona State. It was the number one party school in the country. Yeah. And he yeah. went his freshman year. I went down in Florida my freshman year okay. to uh, HCC. But um, So your freshman yeah. year, you went to HCC and then... Correct. And Arizona then I transferred. State. Well, there was a stop to Hawaii in the middle of that for a semester and then what to Arizona the State. You went to Hawaii? <laughs> Jeez. Man, yeah, I went to Hawaii for a semester. I yeah. realize you're a rainbow warrior. Hawaii Pacific University. Shout Hawaii out. Pacific, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not a rainbow warrior. And what did you major in college? Well, at that time, I was uh, accounting, accounting, accounting major. Yeah. So but when I transferred to Arizona manager. State, because Arizona State is Arizona State, and they're very prestigious for their business school, and I say that with a lot of sarcasm behind it, <laughs> the WP Carey School of Business, they would not let me transfer into their accounting program. Not because I didn't have the grades. At the time, I had a 3.6 GPA, but because they didn't know if Hawaii Pacific University's caliber of accounting classes matched their caliber of accounting classes. So they wanted me to retake all of my accounting classes. No, thank you. No. So I changed to business communication. There you go. So just as useless as any other business majors besides finance and accounting. Yeah. <laughs> Gronk went to Arizona. Arizona, Arizona yeah. He went to University of Arizona. He's a wildcat. He okay. was there when I was there. And um, that's our rivalry school. Mm-hmm. We hate them. Sure. We call them the de- school down south. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, keeping ugly girls out of Tempe since uh, 1829. How is it the school down <laughs> south? Aren't they north of you or no? University of Arizona? No, they're in Tucson. <laughs> We're in Tempe. Oh, okay. So they're right near Mexico. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. That's why we always say keeping the ugly girls out of Tempe. Because they all go down there. <laughs> yeah, but um, so funny story about Gronk, right? We I went there with my best friend, Kevin. Mm-hmm. And um, Gronk went to the Patriots. Right. And through insurance, we got tickets to go down to a signing. So Casey, his nickname's Casey, Kevin Christopher, brings a um, little mini Patriots football helmet. You know those ones that are in the packages? Yeah. Yeah. And um, he goes, dude, I'm going to get Gronk right now. I go, how are you going to get Gronk? He goes, I'm going to have him write, I love Auntie Susan Ukulele or something like that. I can't remember what he made her, her last name. 
but basically he wanted the initials to be ASU. <laughs> so as he was going to do that, he had a Patriot shirt on. Underneath his Patriot shirt, he had Arizona State. So he goes, hey, Gronk. He goes, uh, I had a coming place for my aunt. She's a huge fan of yours, has been since you were at University of Arizona. He goes, she's sick, couldn't make it. Would you mind signing this for her? It, you could just put her initials. I call her auntie so-and-so, and he did that. And he goes, yeah, Gronk goes, yeah, I got it. And Gronk's going, I love ASU. And Gronk goes, wait a minute, looks up in case he goes, gotcha. And he has the Arizona State shirt on. And Gronk goes, I can't believe it. Yeah, it was funny. He was a great sport. Great time. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, it's funny that Gronk would like catch that. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Oh, it's a huge rivalry. It's the oldest rivalry in sports history, actually. And they have the oldest rivalry. Um, Trophy. It's trophy? like yeah. it's it's like I'm I'm doing it out with my hands, but it's this like small trophy cup, and it's like dented and everything like oh. that, and um, it gets passed. It's called the territorial cup. Just like the Iron it gets Bowl and back and Alabama. forth. Yeah, and it, it's honestly like ASU <clears throat> and University of Arizona. We'd rather win that cup than you know be ranked. It's that yeah. it's that big of a and deal. Win any other game. Yeah, it's yeah. weird to think those those rivalries like Washington, Washington State. I think it's the Apple yeah. Cup. Oregon, Oregon State have something too. Like sure. and those go way back. Mm-hmm. That's weird to think the Western United States actually has yeah. longer rivalries than some of the ones. Duff, right. don't be surprised if that's just an Arizona State guy talking out of his ass. You know what I mean? That's true. I'm a, we, <laughs> the producer just walked in, so we need to. But <laughs> yeah, but I have heard that multiple times from multiple people. But you asked me how I felt about Arizona State this year, and I feel good about the talent we brought in. I feel terrible about the huge controversy that's going on there with Herm Edwards and recruiting and Herm. bringing in, bringing in. We play to the... win the game. <laughs> yeah, we were so happy when we got him as a coach. Sure. And then uh, he brought it. I guess there was something going on under the table where he was bringing in all of his ex NFL players' kids, and he wasn't doing it like the, pr- the proper channels. Something I-, I stopped following it. It really aggravated me. And me and my uh, other buddy who still lives out in Arizona, we would talk about it all the time. And basically, we were like, we can't even follow it this year. Like, we're so pissed off. You know, they just started to get some good talent, and now we're going to have to fight this controversy. Yeah. You know, who knows if we make it to the playoffs, right? And then they strip Bowl us of our eligibility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Which, by the way, actually, out. Coors Light should really bring back those commercials. What the cold hard facts? <laughs> no, no. Oh. The, uh, when they when they cut back to coaches, like having those horrible press oh. conferences, oh, they they yeah. need to bring those, those back. You know, I didn't even playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about those. They are who they thought we were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'd be hilarious, man. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, well, this has been fun, guys. Man, I appreciate you doing this, bud. Yeah, I appreciate it too. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully you check out the next one. Have a good one.